Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome everyone to another episode of the Mind Sculptors podcast. I'm your host, Callahan, and this is the third part. We had to break this up into three episodes of our CEDH tier list. Uh, we have a great show lined up for you. Lots of interesting uh, stuff to talk about. But before we get into it, I uh, just want to thank you all for joining us this week. If you like this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to like, subscribe and comment down below. And if you want to help keep the lights on around here and uh, keep me fed, uh, go to the Patreon down in the description uh, or at patreon.com slash sculptors and check out that link and uh, try and support the channel. Uh, really appreciate that. Joining us again this week is uh, our good friend Ryan for playing with power. Ryan, how you doing? Ready for part three? Let's do it. We really milked this one, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Got to get that engagement up. Got to get those clicks. Yeah, baby. man. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. It's been a pleasure, absolutely. And uh, also joining us today again, the uh, Canadian himself, the Frenchman, as I said in the first episode, <laughs> is. Pongo, <laughs> Pongo, how you doing? Omelette du fromage. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, in all seriousness, I'm, I'm I'm doing fantastically. I'm glad to be back, and yeah. uh, you know, it's it's interesting seeing the sort of uncontrolled scope creep of these episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, getting crazy. You know, I think just looking at the list, we could easily do more. I'm I'm confident we'll finish this time. Yeah, but you know that people. I'm. We apologize in advance. There will be some commanders we don't talk about. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, but starting us off uh, for this week's episode and dive into it is uh, we're going to take a look at Sisse Weatherlight Captain. This is a deck that Rebel has been championing for quite some time. Uh, you gave it an F last year. Have you softened up to it at all? So, Sisei Weatherlight Captain, five color commander. It's basically you just cast a jewel lotus and get into it. Um, so, Rebel is one of the kind of prolific pilots of it right now that's been championing the build of it. Uses the Giganta, the Wellspring companion kind of thing with it. Um, and it, you know, for lack of a better word, it wins with Najila. And the first question I always ask when I look at the combo line is, why don't I just play Najila? And, and so that's kind of the question I always present to myself when somebody has a win con that involves something that could be in your command zone. Like uh, I see, you know, there's times when I see decks that run Urza, Lord High Artificer, as a like a, one of the win cons in its deck. And I'm like, why don't I just play Urza? You know, like and so this suffers the same problem. So I could take all of these extra steps to try and make the Najila thing work. I can tutor, I can get Giganta out and or maybe, oh, hey, I can sneak attack it in or something like that. Oh, isn't that cute and stuff like that? And 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 that's fine. You know, it, the, I think that our world 
is okay with having these types of decks in them. That being said, the card quality in this deck, because of how you have to build it, is just not great. You don't get to run, contrary to popular belief, the best cards in the format because it's five colors. You run certain things that complement your lines, and you also have to run things that allow you to run Gigantha in the, in the companion zone, if you will. So you don't get the argument of five color plays the best because you can't do that with this one. Um, it's really novel. You know, sometimes people like to have their personality shine through in decks. And this definitely is one of those decks that has the, you know, it has that novel feel to it. Hey, check it out. Look what I did. And I pulled it off. Isn't that cool? And you're like, yeah, that was really cool. That was really neat. Um, but what it does at the end of the day and what you can do with it at the end of the day is really not that much better than my opinion last year. The Gigantha thing helped it, but it didn't help it much. So I'm going to give it an E. Um, it's not it's not an F anymore. I think Rebel did enough work to it to push it out of the like, don't play this. It's unplayable range, but it's still not like, you know, don't expect to win your next tournament with it, you know, unless you're Rebel, <laughs> you know, who plays it like a lot, you know. So that's that's my opinion. So okay. E. Uh, Pongo, you gave it a D last year. What do you think? Um, you know, I, I think again, Ryan raises some very good points as usual. Um, last year I gave it a D tier and you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm just like stalling for time because I know that rebel is currently listening. Rebel probably (laughs) skipped this to this point. Yep. Um, like straight straight away. So I just need to Furiously take as, as much in the time comments. as I can yep. to just like not give the rating. Uh, <laughs> uh, we love you, Rebel. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I am going to take a moment to to sort of do a little bit of analysis and to kind of expand upon Ryan's points and and also you know delay as much as possible. <laughs> Gotta get uh, that listen time up, baby. Keep that engagement time up, baby. Keep it up. Uh, uh, let me tell you about the history of Sisse. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. Was a when I was a so kid. it started in Urza's saga. Uh. <laughs> so one thing I will say about Sisse Weatherlight Captain, you know, kind of um, to contrast it with Najila, obviously the deck kind of has issues. You know, it, it, it is a five-color deck, but sacrifices card quality um as you pointed out ryan to to have uh gigantha in the command zone you know giving up obvious staples like thassa's oracle um and and ad nauseum sort of most notably um but what you get in exchange is sort of like a bit of that goto effect where um the deck takes a like much greater advantage of fast mana than najila does um because you know najila is sort of more reliant on being able to make Wooburg um, consistently, whereas Gigantha is doing the heavy lifting of making the Wooburg for you in in Sisse. So, you know, you get to play things like Jessica's Will um, to make a ton of mana and to, like, run out your, your Gigantha. You know, you have all that in the command zone, um, which I think is, is very powerful. Um, sort of as Goto illustrates very, very well. Um, <clears throat> where the deck kind of runs into some issues, I think, is that uh, it kind of like 
you obviously you have to put Gigantha into play most of the time and then pass the turn. So it's not like as clear of a comparison to Goto as, you know, it, it seems at first blush. Like obviously like they're both, you know, funnily enough counting to 11 because like Gigantha's five mana, but then three mana with the the tax and then Sisse's three mana. So, you know, five plus three plus three is 11. But but then you're also generally waiting a turn with Sisse. There's ways around that in the deck. And I think that, you know, if you have those, that's great. Um, but it's still a lot of mana and you're not getting that immediate benefit of like winning right on the spot with it a lot of the time. Um, so that's kind of a strike against it. Um, and I, I think beyond that, Sisse's kind of having a bit of like a identity crisis recently where, you know, like I think Rebels initial builds were kind of all in on being very, very fast and putting like Gigantha into play. And I think that that probably works better in a world where um, you don't have to pay an additional three mana for Gigantha. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Rebel probably agrees that, you know, like all the, the timing issues and then, you know, the pretty steep mana investment um, kind of puts you in a position where you're not really out racing dedicated fast decks. You're not really racing decks like even Goto that just only need to get to the 11 mana. And you're not really building the deck that way either anymore. Um, so now that the deck tends to play, you know, more a couple more stacks pieces and stuff like that. Um, so that kind of slows down the game plan a little bit. And Sisse kind of has this issue that I think like a lot of, you know, even Najila would have this issue if you build her in a stocks direction where like if you're trying to play that game plan, you're a lot of the time putting yourself in this position where, you know, decks that can't win necessarily through your hate pieces will oftentimes have better grind plans in the command zone than you do. So it's it can be tough for you to follow up your disruptive plan with like additional disruption, you know, to keep like laying out pieces that are going to maintain your soft lock on the game or protect your soft lock on the game. Uh, and I think Sisse does have that issue to some extent. Um, one thing I will say that sort of has worked out in Sisse's favor is that we keep getting new legendary cards that are better. Um, obviously, this is a deck that is really happy to have Ragavan, and I think any deck that's really happy to have Ragavan is cool in my books. Um, <laughs> uh, additionally, you know, we we get um, new sort of more efficient legendary creatures all the time that that make it so that Sisse can kind of come out and be a little bit bigger right out of the gate um, and and kind of play a little bit better along the value axis or or sort of not necessarily require quite as much to get rolling um, because that's another issue with Lavinia too, right? Is that you do need to have her be big enough to kind of get the plan going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not as trivial as as just having, um, you know, like Gigantic. You mean to say sometimes. not Lavinia? Sorry, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Your biases are bleeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, all that being said, I think that the deck is certainly capable of competing against, you know, your your average CEDH deck. Um, I think that the card quality, generally speaking, is still good enough 
I think that legendary creatures, the the package that it's playing now has improved considerably since the inception of the deck. Um, you know, I, I I'm comfortable bumping this up to a C. Okay, nice. And and Rebel, hey. you can you can DM me after for my address if you want to mail me the the money. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I'd like to change my answer S tier. <laughs> um, make make checks out to cash. So I, so Ryan, you said something interesting about like, um, you know, if you're playing Najila in the deck, why don't you just play Najila? And um, one of the things that I keep thinking about is if I was given the choice to build a deck with stacks in it, would I rather play Najila or Sasei? I would personally rather pick Sasei. Um, because of its ability to um, pivot into this grindy stacks um, game plan with its commander, where it can get out stuff like Lavinia, get out stuff like Oko, Karn. Uh, it can get out Thalia, and it plays Vryn Ringlier. And then it plays all these other like artifacts, uh, you know, hate pieces like Trinisphere, Thorn, and then like Rest in Peace, Deafening Silence. Um, I, I think that this is a more compelling shell to build that type of deck in it. Um, I don't know that I would classify this as a stacks deck. Um, but generally speaking, like deafening silence and Najila decks, I'm like, eh, on, um, I don't really find those that terribly compelling to play. Um, and I don't really think taxing effects are that compelling to play in Najila, but I think in this, it makes a lot of sense because the ability and your win condition is all based around this activated ability, right? So you weren't super worried about the, the taxing effect that you're putting onto the board because, well, I'm not really casting my spells, right? I'm searching them up and putting them onto the battlefield. Um, so that would be kind of my argument against that. Because I do think there is a reason to play this over Najila if you want to play something that isn't just uh, Najila turn sideways and then play tempo after that. Um, and I think that's perfectly fine. Um, overall, where I think it lands, I don't really disagree with Pongo on anything on that front. I think it's a pretty solid C tier to Amander to me. Uh, I think last year I put it at E because I was way over evaluating. Uh, I thought opposition agent was going to be the menace, not hall breacher. I got to be honest. Um, and so I was assuming that opposition agent would just make these decks unplayable. Right. Um, and it certainly causes a hiccup to them. Right. But I don't see these decks unable to function and unable to perform around them. Uh, so I think it's a fine C tier commander. Um, I don't mind bumping it up from an E at all. So that's that's kind of my old two cents on it. Um, next up, we're going to start getting into kind of the premier partners, I would say. Um, and kicking it off is uh, one of the newer ones from Commander Legends is Malcolm Keen-Eyed Navigator. And so, Ryan, last year you gave this a D, and it's done a lot of work in some tournaments. What do you think about it now? 
Uh, so basically the place where you see Malcolm is in Malcolm Tana. And essentially you have this teamer Malcolm pirates, you know, build that you neoform into a Glenholm Glenhorn Buccaneer. You have one half of your combo in the command zone because then you just go infinite and you win the game. And it creates a lot of consistency because teamer is in really good colors to be able to tutor up creatures. So the fact that you have one half in the command zone, that half is also a mana generation engine in the command zone. It's blue, which is a fantastic color in our format, all makes it really, really good. Um, when we first rated this, was still really new. People mm-hmm. really hadn't figured out some of the things you could do with it yet. And it's come a long way since then. I have seen this win uh, one of our tournaments on our Discord. So the, one of the PWP tournaments. Um, I have seen it put down really good numbers at other tournaments. Um, I it's 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 really good. It's a lot better than I had originally given it credit for. Is it, you know, S tier? No, I wouldn't say that it's that. I would probably put it into a B tier. Uh, I think it's better than some stuff that's out there. Um, I know that, you know, we're it, it's hard to do it in isolation because you don't just play a single partner. Uh, I am evaluating this based upon the fact that it's teamer Malcolm and it's, mm-hmm. you know, teamer pirates. That is the Malcolm that we're talking about here. Not some it's like some people are playing Malcolm breaches and stuff like that. But mana generation on a really good color evasion to be able to connect is really good. So some people are playing Malcolm Tana. I'm sorry. uh Malcolm Timnas out mm-hmm. there and and putting good numbers in with it. So I think it's a solid B tier. I think it's a good card. And I think it's yeah, that's where I think it is. Pongo, you gave it an F last year. <laughs> um, pretty sure that was a meme. Uh, <laughs> but in your honest opinion, uh, now here in 2021, what do you think of Malcolm? We've seen a full, you know, season with it in MLC. We've seen it do pretty well. We've seen it win some tournaments. What do you think of it? Yeah, so like with a lot of the other um, sort of monocolor partners, I'm going to rate this based on what I feel like are the strongest possible pairings um, that you can you can have with this commander. Um, I think that this is an A tier commander. Um, I think that Kind of just getting to play like the Grixis shell with a commander that gives you a little bit of mana is sufficient to remain in the A tier. Um, in addition, you know, you just also kind of get this one card win condition, which as I was talking about before, um, when you're incidentally playing Thassa's Oracle with Demonic Consultation and Tainted Pact stuff going on, um, being able to convert those tutors into your one card win condition is very, very powerful. Um, you know, I had pointed that out initially for um, like the food chain style decks, and it's even more deterministic here where you just go for your Glintorn Buccaneer. Um, I think also that the uh, the rug combination, so like Malcolm plus Tana uh, is also very powerful. Um, that's bolstered by the fact that, you know, not that you have necessarily like the best 98 not necessarily that you know you have a great second commander, um, although I suppose you could say the same thing for Vile Smasher. Um, you know it's bolstered, by, I think, by the fact that a one card creature based win condition in Rug is you know about as good as you could ask for, honestly. Um, and naturally, that also generates mana too. Right, exactly. Um, you you also just played a, a pretty valuable three mana commander in and of itself. I think that, you know, that part of Malcolm shouldn't be undersold. 
Um, it's not like producing card advantage necessarily, but it is producing some advantage. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I do need to rate it both as having decent access to colors, uh, or, or I should say three ways. Um, it has decent access to colors. I would say, you know, even good access to colors. Um, it has, it is an outlet for a one card win condition in the command zone. And it does provide some form of value. Um, I think that the form of value it provides is a, potentially a little bit weaker in, in, in some cases, um, stronger in other cases, but, um, you know, by my estimation is, is totally fine for a card that also has like, that checks the two other boxes to, to at least get into the A tier. Right. Right. That makes sense to me. Um, I, I, I had this interesting, I gave it a C last year and I don't remember if I said this last year or not, but I feel like it's, um, in like theory, right. The best partner pair for it in partners, uh, across, like, I think like the best partner pairings in like the abstract, right. Would be Malcolm Timna because you got your card gener your uh, card advantage generation and your mana generation, both in the command zone. Um, granted, there's a lot of other stuff that plays into that, but like in the theory world, uh, they're like the ideal partner pairing. Um, and basically what it comes down to for me with this is I think the more I look at the stuff that's getting printed, they keep putting pirate on everything, right? Um, so it's one of those things where it just feels like it's going to continually get better. Um, so I think I'm going to probably say, man, I don't know where I want to put this. I, I don't know that I quite agree. Man, I'm going to say a tier. I, I think I agree more with Pongo on, on that rating. It, it's low a high B for me. If I'm being honest, uh, I mean, like, let me put it this way. Like what is Najila's biggest strength other than being a five color commander? Uh, that she can win the game on her own. It's yeah, no, it's, it's the access to one card win conditions. I think one card, like, like undervaluing the power of one card win conditions, you know, it, it, it's something that we can, that is easy enough to do, but in practice ends up being so powerful just right. Like being able to convert any tutor into your win condition, like kind of always having a clear line for how you plan on closing out the game. Um, you know, it, it it's powerful to have a linear game plan that you can fall back on um, to take off some of the cognitive load, you know, on the one hand of, of kind of having to, you know, navigate a complex game to the point where you can win. Um, but in addition, you know, it, it just also has like clear, tangible advantages in terms of like converting cards into a win. <laughs> right. Like, it's not just a question of the cognitive load. It's not just a question of linearity, like how much easier it is to pull off. You know, like all of those things have benefits from a cognitive perspective, but they have clear benefits from a gameplay perspective as well. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's all really fair. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense for me. Um, with that being said, moving on to uh, the next uh, partner 
from Commander Legends that's on our list is uh, Rograx, son of Roga. Um, this has made some splashes, Ryan. And uh, you gave it an A last year. What do you think? Do you, do you think it's an A? Has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? So Rograx, son of Roga, is one of the most unique abilities we have seen in the command zone. And boy, I can't even tell you how long. Yeah. It's zero having access to a zero drop all the time. That's a creature uh, is exactly what turned people on to this card. Like, oh, and, and everyone gives the kind of the quintessential reasons why Rograk is so great. Oh, my Mox Amber becomes a Mox Ruby. My, you know, culling ritual. I don't need another creature. And, you know, all of these things, you know, my my diabolic intent becomes a demonic tutor. And those are all great. And a lot of people argue that Roger Silas is the fastest deck in the format. Like consistently, like even in the Red Love Discord where people say, oh, you know, Goto is the fastest. Like, no, he's not. Goto is not the fastest deck in the format. It's Roger Silas is the fastest. Consistently putting down turn one wins. It does it all the time. Um, it becomes the kind of the threat because of the access of Roger in the command zone. The thing is, is that Roger Silas uh, and where is where you normally see Roger is in the Roger Silas build doesn't have a whole lot of rebound. It doesn't have a whole lot of resiliency. Like if so if you were playing a Grixis Turbo Nas commander, usually uh, the ones that you see that have the most resiliency through things like interaction are things like Tevish Krom. For example, those are those. That's always my quintessential one. You can power out your Tevish or power out your Crom, rebuild very quickly. Um, but Roger, he gives you makes some of your card quality a little bit better in the things that I had just mentioned. But he suffers from that rebound. So if you get interacted with, let's say you power out a turn one ad nauseum, and you, you know, you do your thing, and, and then somebody just counters it. Let's say they swan song, or let's say they even have the force of will, and you're going turn one. And you're just you're done. You're spent you like you're you're it's taking you a lot longer to recover versus some of the other Grixis commanders that are out there. Um, you powered out your ad nauseum and then maybe you can try and recover a little bit better. What are you going to do? Cast Roger again? OK, what are you doing with it other than it just sitting there? So it does suffer that fragility, that little bit more glass cannony kind of feel. Um, I was really high on it. I used to play Roger Silas until I realized that when everyone just knows to pack that T1 interaction because they know it's speed, um, it kind of suffers a little bit for it. So that was a long-winded way of saying something, that overall, it's not as good as I think it used to be. Uh, however, I don't think that actually bumps it down enough into a lower tier. It's still really unique. It's still really good. It's in a really good color in our format. I still think it belongs in A, you know, we don't do high A's and low A's, but if we did, it, it we went from a high A to a real low A for me. But I don't think it quite belongs in B. OK, Pongo, you and I gave it an S rating last year. Do you still think it's deserving of the S rating still? Well, in earnest, I don't know that I ever thought it deserved an S rating. Um, one thing I'll, I'll say, you know, before before moving on is yes, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what Ryan said, you know, sort of the one point of contention I have is that 
I wouldn't necessarily characterize Rograk as being like a consistent turn one deck. Um, I do think that of decks in this format, it is the one that wins on turn one the most often. Um, but, you know, I, we can, we can, I think, you know, ultimately I'm making like a semantics argument, right? Um, and I don't want to get too, too much into that. But I do think that, um, you know, the turn one wins still represent like a pretty strong minority of, of its wins. It's just that very, very few decks in the format are remotely capable of winning on, or are capable of winning on turn one. And then, you know, even then like the small, the small amount of them that can need very, very particular like hand compositions to do so. And Rograk obviously, you know, if those are like one in a hundred games for those other decks, I think Rograk doesn't maybe one in every 20 games, you know, uh, maybe one in every 10 games if we're being like very generous, which is still impressive, like super impressive. But, you know, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit. Um, <clears throat> if we go back to my criteria, I think that Rogue Rack obviously has the colors that immediately, I think, in my mind, put it at least into a B tier based on what I talked about before. You know, blue, black plus either green uh, or red is is very very strong of you know blue black plus another color i I would just say almost certainly is going to get you into the b tier for me um in most cases um what else does rograk offer well as ryan said rograk doesn't offer you really much in the way of card advantage or value or anything like that um so we have to look at my other category which is combo enabler and i think that it's most sensible what makes the most sense is to think of rograk as a combo enabler um, and it's, he enables, you know, quite literally ad nauseum strategies, right? And, you know, we, we could also say he enables some other strategies, um, with, um, Cloudstone Curio and stuff like that. But, you know, I think that those are probably weaker strategies for the most part than the ad nauseum based strategies. Um, and so he enables those strategies by giving, giving you access to way more fast mana, um, way earlier than pretty much any other deck in the format does. Um, so I think that it makes sense to look at him from that perspective, which means that he's checking at least two of those boxes. Um, and I think he's checking two of those boxes well enough that I'm willing to give him an A. Um, you know, he's certainly not an S, and I don't think he... I, I don't really think I ever believed he was an S. Um, it's It's just one of those things where you're within the um, Grixis colors. You're essentially kind of choosing, you know, do I want like a faster goldfish versus the ability to be a little bit more resilient? And that's kind of where we're at with like the Grixis sort of like character select screen, so to speak. Um, (laughs) You know, we have a lot of like kind of, it's a really good. Yeah. Choose your character. (laughs) we, We have a lot of like commander alternatives that are like, fairly equivalent i think in terms of their effectiveness um and each kind of has like a certain strength or weakness or balance of strengths and weaknesses yeah that makes a lot of sense and uh i basically where i'm at with it is last year i did give it an earnest s because i thought that enabling the free uh interaction was going to be really tough to overcome 
Uh, but playing against it, I'm just like, huh, it's it's fine. Like it, it's explosive, but then you interact with it and then it just goes, oh, this was this was the deck that um, I was saying last week that uh, <laughs> Ian said something there. It was just like, you know, Roger Silas uh, players kid themselves and tell themselves the lie that they play blue to interact because uh, right. they really don't. And uh, <laughs> basically where it comes down to for me is I, I, I kind of fall in line with you guys on this. I think it's a solid A. Um, and, I, you know, like you guys said, it just it enables the strong, uh, strong strategies. Uh, but if you don't get the nuts and you can't interact, then you don't have a whole lot to go from there. And uh, one one shell that I do think it's interesting in over Rog Silas is Rog Timna, um, just because Timna does give you some backup in that regard. Uh, and I think that the Mardu Wincon packages have kind of gotten uh, put into a point now where they're not insane. Uh, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But I, I do think it has some more versatility outside of just Silas. Um, I think, you know, like uh, Rograk, uh, Thrasios is a thing. Rograk, Timna is a thing. And I think they're all mm -hmm. interesting. So uh, it, it's worth exploring some more with that card. But uh, I, I am not as high on it as I was last year. Um, next card on our list is the other Planeswalker partner from Commander Legends, uh, Jessica Thrice Reborn. And this is a deck that or this is a card we've talked about before in the past in the last episode with Shy, uh, but it's also uh, pretty big because of Mad Farm. It really made Mad Farm like a, a, a solid deck now. And so, Ryan, you gave this a C last year. What do you think of it now? I have never seen a deck that did not get better when it was partnered with Jessica. There's just something about this card. It and it's so innocuous when you first like look at it. You're like, oh, okay, I, I guess that's kind of cool. And then you can kind of disseminate some of the information. Say, well, I I guess you could maybe do X, Y, and Z with it. But every time that Jessica gets paired with a partner, suddenly you find a viable commander. <laughs> like some, suddenly you find a viable pair. Like no one was talking about Ishai before. Yeah. You know, and you put Jessica in there. And like you said, you know, all of a sudden, Jessica, Jessica Timna, you know, swing for now you're hitting with Timna for six with Jessica. Uh, Jessica Ishai, large bird, just one shot you. Uh, people are playing even Jessica um, uh, Tevish. They're playing mm -hmm. Jessica Tevish and doing a Rakdos kind of thing. And I have yet to see a partner that you pair with it where Jessica just doesn't get better. Like you can partner all kinds of different things out there and they're just kind of the same, you know, but for some reason, this one just makes everything better. It is an infinite outlet in the command zone. So you generate infinite mana. You can cast Jessica repeatedly and just kill everyone and win the game. So that's really nice. It hoses your dorks. So you put out an early Jessica, three people put out dorks, no problem. I'll just destroy them all. <laughs> you know, there's like three for wanting, you know, is pretty good. You know, I, I think that's a really good trade that Jessica can do. Um, and triple shotting, like my turn one Sarah's and it just became an 18 point swing. 
Like that's ridiculous, you know, and you know, I know not everyone's super high on Sarah Ascendant and stuff like that. And that's not what we're arguing right now. But like the fact that she just makes everything appear better is just so good. And I we didn't really see that come to fruition when we did this last time. Um, this was the very first one we ranked, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you we were like, let's dive in, Jessica. And I'm like, oh, uh, I don't even have anything to base it on. I don't have like a like a baseline or a yardstick. And so I kind of threw in the C because people really hadn't seen everything that Jessica could really do. And we've seen it now. Um, and people are partnering Jessica with everything. Jessica Ishai, Jessica uh all the things i've said even jessica you know all these other ones as well making jun commanders and all these other things and it's just doing such good work in our format in in a seemingly innocuous way uh like pongo had said having a outlet in the command zone is really nice and having removal in the command Mm -hmm. zone i think is kind of underrated you know well, well we don't have like a lot of these, you know, commanders can, you know, triple. Uh, I'm sorry, Jessica can triple shot a lot of the one drops. And, you know, if you cast one commander first and then Jessica second, now you're you're hitting everything that has a two power. I mean, a two toughness. So that's really good, too. Anyway, I've rambled on long enough because um, <laughs> uh, I could really talk about this card all day. It's one of my favorite partners nowadays. Um, it's just because you partner and it just does so it's such good work anyway. Uh, so I'm going to give Jessica an A. An She's a. very, okay. very good, in my opinion. Pongo, you gave it a D last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree again with a lot of what Ryan has said. Um, not surprisingly. Um, <clears throat> I well, quite high on Jessica. I think that you raised all the really good points about her uh, being an infinite mana outlet, um, as well as um, I think something that is kind of overlooked occasionally uh, that you were right to point out, which is the fact that the removal in the command zone uh, can be quite powerful a lot of the time. Um, and I think people often underestimate that. Um, it's very valuable, you know, to pick off potentially uh, some hate bears. Sometimes it can just be an incredible power, uh, that tempo play uh, to kill a few mana dorks. Um, you know, as an Najila player, when I'm playing against Jessica, a lot of the time I'm already kind of just, like, I know that in my head that I'm not really on the Najila plan. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like from the start of the game. Um, I don't necessarily make it a priority to to have like a fast Najila. Uh, you know, I know that I'm probably going to go for more of a value-based win uh, or like an ad nauseum or a Thassa's Oracle win. So she exerts a lot of pressure. Um, and I do think that that makes her really, really powerful. I think, however... You know, one place where, you know, she occasionally suffers is um, with like some of the partners that she uh, routinely gets partnered with. I think sometimes um, some of those partnerships, you know, she is pulling more weight. Um, I think, you know, with Ishai, it's a good example where like Ishai plus Jessica is kind of absurd, but then like Ishai plus other commanders you know, a little less absurd, um, sometimes underwhelming even. Um, you know, if you partner Jessica with like a blue black partner, that's probably, you know, I'm that's not a particularly compelling way to go about doing Grixis. Um, you know, and like I'm not 
super sold on John Jessica either because, you know, the black green options are not spectacular for the most part. Um, you know, she really shines in the Mardu shell um, where, you know, obviously being partnered with Timna is, I mean, we're going to get into that and I'm not going to, you know, not going to spoil too, too much at this point, but um, you know, Mad Farm is certainly a great deck. And I think that Jessica is an enormous upgrade for that deck. Um, do I think she's an A tier commander? That I'm not so sure about. I actually, I think I'm putting her in the B tier. She does bring a lot to the table. That's for sure. Um, I just think that she leaves a little to be desired in terms of some of her color pairings. So you think she's what A tier? You said, uh, you know, I, B? I I would, if we were doing like in between ratings, she would be between a B and an A for me. So she's like a high B for me. Okay. And I, I think that, you know, I'm not going to get into it too too much, but when <laughs> because we're going to talk about Timna immediately after this commander, mm-hmm. but when you partner her with Timna, then you end up with an insanely powerful deck. But you know, for reasons that we'll we'll touch upon later, I'm sure. Yeah, um, I think. Jessica's a nest tier commander, personally. Um, I think the advantage Jessica gives you in the command zone is insane. Uh, it's easy to cast. It comes down. It immediately has an impact on the game. And uh, kind of to Ryan's point, I haven't really seen it be pe- go into a pairing and be wrong. And I kind of disagree with you. I think Jessica makes really good sense in Grixis shells. And I think it makes really good sense in uh, uh, what's the, what's the word? Jun shells. And the reason I think that is because it simplifies the game plan significantly. Right. So uh, let me give you a good example Uh, outside of Kess in Grixis and Inala, your win con is some ad nauseum, you know, we're going to chain together a bunch of spells, blah, blah, blah. If you, put Jessica in there. It's okay. I have to generate infinite mana and then I can win the game. Um, same sort of thing where if you look at Jessica Ikra versus Corvold, uh, you kind of are running into that same thing where uh, Corvold has this very kind of, yeah, I have the wing con sort of in the command zone, but I still have to try and like steal, you know, steal something from somebody else's deck or like cobble together a win. Um, whereas with this, it's just make infinite mana, win the game. And I think that distillation of the game plan in those, uh, shells is really good. I, th- now to, with that being said, I think a Grixis, I wouldn't want to do it personally, uh, mostly because I think Grixis can just play Thassa's Oracle Adna or Thassa's Oracle and Adnaz in Kess and be just fine. I don't think you need it in Grixis, but I do think in the other, the other uh, shells, you do need that outlet. And so I, for me, that's, that's plenty to put it in an S tier. Um, Cause I mean, I, like how, I guess for your infinite mana and Jund, you're, you're doing like world gorger loops. You know, do you think that, I mean, they're doing that in mad farm. Yeah. Well, some, some decks are, um dockside curio dockside yeah. curio is another World option loops. do you yeah. i mean like i don't know that i value that higher than corvold personally 
Um, and I think that if you're talking about ways to win in Jund, just having, you know, like your Underworld Breach loops, um, you know, through a, a grinding station, um, you know, your 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 various other outlets um, that you have, like in Corvolds, like those tend to be, in my mind, like just as good, kind of just as compact um, to the point where it's like I would rather be playing Corvold, I think, than than just having Jessica as an outlet and not really having a great um, like black green partner. Um, I mean, that's that's just my opinion on the matter. I, I think that- I, I think Ikra's fine. I think especially I think Ikra gets a bad rap, but that's a different subject altogether. Um, I just think most we, of the time in those colors, like you're just going for Nas anyway, and like that's your outlet to and like assembling the win from there is more or less trivial in for those decks. Yeah, I I don't know. I I think the the ability for any deck that wants a clear game plan in the command zone, partnering it with Jessica regardless of the pair is really strong and makes the deck. Yeah, I, I think very I, good. I would like rather play Dargo in a lot of situations where like Jessica could be the pick. If really? I was try- if I was trying to do like not guess, guess who gets better with Dargo, Jessica. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> see what I'm saying. But Jessica yeah. just but like makes John, every every you partner play better. John Dargo, right? Like, and I think personally, I would prefer to play John Dargo over Jessica just because yeah, I, it's a more explosive deck. See, I see, I see, I, I, I like Jessica more for the opposite reason because I don't like the explosiveness of Dargo because it just feels so all in. And but Jessica's I feel disruptive. Like- she's not. She's not progressing your game plan. That's her value is that she's a couple of pyroclasms in the command zone, and that's not nothing. You know, I, I it was enough that I brought it up, but I don't think it's proactively pushing you towards your game plan. And in Jund, I think that's what you want to be doing. I mean, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But anyway, we could go around on that. Yeah. I still think it's an S tier commander regardless. I think, you know, if um, I was, you know, I, I'm being a little unfair, be, perhaps, because there's like other commanders that I've rated based on like what I feel are their like strongest pairing. And if I was rating her based on her strongest pairing, she would be higher. And so maybe maybe I should put her in, in an A tier just because of that. I was going to say, I was like, do you really think Rograk is better than Jessica? Well, I, I think that like there's more Rograk decks potentially that I'm interested in in playing than Jessica decks. Um, well, that wasn't the question. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, I, 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 I there, there are more Lavinia decks that I'm interested in playing than Najila decks. Sure. But that doesn't make Lavinia better, right? Like, Sure, sure, sure. I, I think that... Um, I think that if I'm if I'm being consistent and I'm rating her based on what I think her best partner pairing is, I'll, I'll give her an A. We'll put okay. it like that. Okay. A A A A S. Um. On to our next commander. This is one. Last year we all gave S's to, and I don't <laughs> really expect alert. that yeah. to change. <laughs> <laughs> Shows what you know. As <laughs> uh, Tim to the Weaver. Uh, Ryan, you gave it an S last year. What are you thinking? I'm not sure if anybody else is no, uh, knows this stat, but I am pretty sure that Timna is the single most used partner on the decklist database. 
Um, that's and that, that math tracks to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it does. And I'm pretty sure Jessica's up there too, but we already talked about Jessica, but like, there's a reason that she's the most used partner. I mean, when you distill all of its pieces down to why you're using Timna, if you like, we could talk about semantics and this, that, the other and conditions and board states and blah, 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 all day long. The reason why everyone uses Timna pay one life, draw three cards. There's nothing else in magic that does that. Oh, but you have to connect. You have to do this and you get technically gain life then pay three life, blah, 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 blah. That's what you're doing is you're paying one life. And you're drawing three cards. You're paying three life and drawing three cards. I guess because you gain two life. Yeah. You gain two. Then you pay three. You're effectively paying one life. Yeah. That's why I'm saying you pay one life. You draw three cards. That is why Timna is so absolutely. And there's, I, I just don't know what to say that hasn't probably already been said about Timna already to death. And I'm sure you guys can also articulate more on this. I really don't need waste extra time on her. She's an S tier commander. In my book, I think she might be the S tier commander in my book. Mm-hmm. So I give her an S. So yep. yeah, yep, yep. I'm I'm not gonna waste too much time, and I'm not gonna let us dwell on that too too much either. Um, Timna's good. Know, not only is Timna an S tier <laughs> commander, I think there's a case that could be made that she's the best commander in the format currently. <laughs> I, I, I would, I would probably yeah. agree with Not, that. Yeah. I know that we could, I know we could probably dig in my, into minutia right. that would let us talk about that for four or five hours. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, I would agree with you. Yeah. 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 And, and obviously we're talking about like Timna partnered with another commander, but like it's, it's pointless to talk about Timna, like just Timna in a vacuum because you're always right. going to partner her. So like whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So on to the next one, uh, one of the more uh, prolific and premier Timna partners is Krom Ludovic's Opus. Last year, we all gave Krom an A. Ryan, is that changing for you this year? Um, so the printing of Jeweled Lotus made Krom really great. Um, I think a lot of people were down on Krom for years, which I think is really hilarious because not too much changed with Krom. Yeah, Jeweled Lotus got printed. Um but yeah, I don't think Jeweled Lotus everyone, really pushed it over the edge. Exactly. Jeweled Lotus didn't push it over the edge. Krom was always good. He was just slept on for a very long time. Uh, it was uh, everyone was on the Timna Thrasios train mm-hmm. for forever. And so you're like, well, Timna Krom, why wouldn't you just play Thrasios? Well, seeing as I can do nothing and draw a card or pay four and draw a card, I think I might just want to do nothing and draw a card. Uh, and so I think that. Krom has always been good. And we could get into, like I said, semantics like Temna and stuff. He has haste. He costs more, but he only costs five. And when I talked about Kodama last week, we talked about the difference between five and six being landing a turn one commander being incredibly immense. And this one is in five. So it's not hard to land a turn one Krom and then recover because people are casting one to two spells and you're drawing more cards because of Krom. So you're not dumping all in and then just being out of luck because you're maybe playing something like Kodama. Krom can get you back into the game. And by the way, you have a 4-4 blocker that blocks, you know, Timna attackers. You can turn sideways and attack an Adnos player. There's a ton of stuff you can do with Krom. Um, I think that Krom probably m- moves up into S to me, oh, okay. actually. Really good colors. Um, really good partner. 
does a lot of what we want to do, especially in our turbo NOS meta. Uh, I think he, he moves up to S to, for me. Pongo, what do you think? Um, you know, I think previously, if I was rating this with a slightly different methodology, I might've rated it a little bit lower than I'm, I'm going to rate it. You know, I, I, I will say straight up it's an S tier. Um, however, again, the methodology I'm using this year, this time around, um, other than like pure memeing or whatever, um, is that this is speaking about Chrome with what I feel is his best partner combination. I think that Chrome plus Timna is indisputably an S tier combination. I think that Chrome plus like Ikra is noticeably worse. And yeah. I say that having played it at, you know, at the MLC. Um, and I think that actually speaks to the fact that Chrome on his own is not as powerful of a card as like a lot of people make him out to be. Um, you know, I think that the card advantage he provides can be inconsistent occasionally. Five mana is pretty steep in a lot of situations. Um, and again, then there will also be situations where he just cannot provide you card advantage because of like a rule of law or something in play. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's a beefy boy. I think, you know, even with all that being said, you know, he was he would always be an A tier. And I think if we were talking about specifically like Krom, um, Ikra, you know, that's an A tier deck for me. Um, it's without a doubt for me worse than Krom Timna. And the reason why is because I think Timna is of the two still the partner who carries the most weight. But in addition to that, I think Krom and Timna synergize with one another extremely well. Um, you know, Krom just being a hasty, you know, super valuable point. What he has haste, uh, evasive beater to draw an extra card with Timna with is just inherent synergy in your command zone. Um, you're getting access now to red with Timna. And, you know, the reason why Krom Timna was a worse partner pairing than Timna Thrasios for a long time was that red didn't really pull its weight as a color. That's not Long true flash. anymore. Um, you know, I, I, you could make a case that there was a period of time where we had good red cards and Flash was still legal. Um, that, you know, Timna Krom should have been rated higher, right? Um, but obviously before those red cards were printed, I think that uh, it's much, much harder to make that case. Um, so I think that Krom, you know, people occasionally overrate how good he is sort of on his own, but you know, the synergy between him and Timna makes him an S when they are together. Um, and Timna is an S tier commander for me all on her own. So the combination of the two, you know, gives you one of the sort of strongest command zones you could ask for in the game. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, for me, however, I'm going to keep it an A tier. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. Gotta be honest. Uh, the, the reasoning for this is, is I think Krom, Krom, so everybody's like, oh, I draw so many cards out of it. Yes. And you're only Adnaz meta. Um, take it into a mid range meta and suddenly you're not drawn as many cards. Right. And that is one of the things where I think a lot of the people who are very vocal in our community 
play in heavy ad metas. And because of this, the perception of the meta is ad is the meta, right? Mm-hmm. And so the perception becomes, oh, well, then Chrome's going to draw you all these cards and Chrome can do this and Chrome can do that. And it's like, well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's back this up really quickly. You sit down against a mid-range deck that is fine with going land dork pass and just sitting there and, you know, uh, was sandbagging for days. You're suddenly not drawing any cards. Um, I do agree with Pongo. I think Timna and Krom as a pair are S tier. I don't think Krom right. uh, any other situation is S tier. Uh, in fact, I actually think it's um, only gets semi close to it when it's with Tevish. And I actually think Tevish does most of the heavy lifting there. Um so to be clear, you're differing in your methodology from me. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. looking at Chrome more in a vacuum than yeah. I, than I am. I, I, I look at I I try to look at it more holistically, right. Wait, I which guess. is fair, um, right? Yeah, I, I think as long as we're clear about I what think, our me- respective methodologies are. Yeah, I also think that there is an argument to be said that you're creating a pseudo rule of law effect under that argument. You're saying, well, I'm sandbagging because I don't want to feed the Chrome. Well, the Chrome gets the push ahead while you're trying do not they get to the push it. ahead i'm sorry i i don't know that i depends, agree with that depends on the turn it comes yeah. down depends on what it's partnered with you like, know depends I do on agree. a lot of variety of factors but once again that could be said about a lot of the things we've done tonight I, yeah i think Chrome gets fed like, even in mid-range metas though i'm yeah exactly it's easier like, for them to play i don't, around I don't know though. of a meta that's perfectly content with saying land right, right, right. and is thinks they're winning that game when someone else is going land dork lotus paddle doing a bunch of other well, stuff my point more you know, is that when it's not paired with Tim, that it draws n- into not Adnaz only, it draws noticeably less cards. Mm. Um, and that's kind of my point. And I I do think that the pro like how much Crom gets played is reason enough for people to start going, hey, maybe I should play rule of law more like rule of law in our meta is very very well positioned right now and yeah chrome exemplifies why so well and if you're playing decks like thrasios if you're playing decks like kenrith or you're playing decks like winota that can really uh do a good job of uh taking advantage of those effects you're in a good spot in my opinion um i i I actually agree with you here callahan i think to to your point there are some very prominent mid-range decks that mm-hmm. don't necessarily hate the idea of just playing one card per turn. Um, and they're advancing their game plan regardless. If we look right. at Najila, Najila is just plays one card per turn, you know, plays land for turn, swings in, you know, has everyone yep. on a clock, doesn't need to feed Krom. Winota does Winota that. Winota does that. Najila does think that. Timna, at- Tim Nathrasios also content to just swing in, draw three cards, mm-hmm. the rest of their game plan yep. without necessarily and and sculpt uh, without necessarily having to feed Chrome too much. Yeah, correct. And that's that's kind of my thought here is it just I I would much rather be able to scry one, look at the top card of my library, and then potentially flip a land or draw a card with Thrasios than Chrome uh, personally. 
I mean, in some um, game states, but I think that... I would say going into yeah. a blind meta, I would prefer Thrasios over Grom. I think in a blind meta, people are more greedy and, and potentially... I was about yeah. to say, in a, in a blind meta, it's Adnos. I think people yeah. are potentially more <laughs> willing day, to feed Grom in a blind meta. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, perhaps, and, and you, but... Like, you forget that we play with, like, you know, when 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 they're playing, let's say, the decks that allow them to do so, uh, some very disciplined players. Um, right. You know, I think, like, Spleenface, for example, almost always plays decks that allow him to play in a very disciplined way. Um, Sick, obviously, will, <laughs> like, occasionally throw caution to the wind. Um, or yeah. he will play a deck that doesn't really have the luxury of playing like along that axis. Um, you know, like whether it's Cody or just Cole or something like that, you know, these are decks that are not really looking to necessarily extend the game. So, you know, that's obviously, you know, to his credit, he's, he's not going to play, he's not going to try to force that game plan to not feed Krom. Um, but like, I think you do to some extent have to consider like who you play with regularly Mm-hmm. And and consider that, you know, I'm playing Nigel a lot of the time, and I think that that represents a deck that is pretty content to not feed Chrom. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, Morgan Spleenface is playing Thrasius Timna, you know, a good amount of the time, but also plays like you know a good number of other decks that I think are pretty mid rangey and also pretty content to kind of like slow roll and, and and generate value along some other axis or a little bit more slowly and not feed Krom. Um, or, you know, these are players who are just going to kill to Drake Krom. Um, <laughs> that that yeah. too, that's yeah. a real thing. <laughs> so like, They're like, that's fine, I'll just steal yeah, it. <laughs> I, I, I think that sometimes you have to consider factors like that. Yeah, I just, I don't know, I, I just... I think Chrome's ceiling is really high and then its floor is it just beats face, which isn't a bad floor, but I was about to say that's yeah, still a pretty good it's floor. Just, I don't know. I my point of putting it in A is I think there's a lot of hyperbole around Chrome and how great it is. And I think A is like a lot more realistic of where it is than S personally. Um I I'm still saying it's really good. <laughs> I'm like I don't think any I don't think anybody's arguing with you here. I think you're shouting out into the ether about everyone who's coming for your head yeah. is really what it is. Yeah. But uh anyhow, um on to the last partner on our list is the aforementioned Thrasios and this was one that except for Pongo last year, uh Ryan and I both gave S2 and Pongo you know, and his little meme thing over there was giving it a B. Uh, Ryan, where do you where do you uh, sit with Thrasios now here in 2021? So everyone has pushed Thrasios out of their Timna. They've kicked him out of the house. They, you know, Krom is my new best friend. Nobody likes Thrasios anymore. Thrasios is 100% still an S tier. It's Thank still you, a fantastic card, Thanks, baby. Low, great, great colors. Uh, infinite outlet in the man is in, in command zone. Mana ramp slash card filtering slash draw in the command zone. Uh, it's just that people just don't play mid range decks anymore. It's still a great card and is the it is the premier mid range commander. Um, Tim Thrasios is still great, but everyone you know wants to play with the shiny new toys. Like I've said so many times that he got pushed out. 
you know, and I, he's still 100% an S tier commander to me. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think that uh, there's a reason that he sat in on the throne for so many years of the number one partner or, you know, number one partner yeah. pair in our meta or I'm sorry, in our format. Yeah. Uh, Pongo, what are your thoughts? Is is it actually a B or, you know, what's that you joking? <laughs> that around? was, that was obviously me joking around. Um, <laughs> so I, I agree with what Ryan said. Um, you know, Thrasios is an S tier commander. I think adding on to what Ryan said though, um, providing a little bit of, you know, my own personal insight, my own personal analysis. Um, I think that if we're talking about Thrasios and like why a lot of people have kind of fallen out of out of love with Thrasios, um, a big part of it has to do, I think, with um, like the Paradox Scepter. Well, not Paradox anymore, but like the, the Thrasios, you know, the Scepter Thrasios decks that, that are sort of like console mm-hmm. decks um, and like kind of just like worse um, Adnaz decks kind of all rolled up into one. I think that niche for Thrasios has kind of, he's been outcompeted in. Um, mm-hmm. Where Thrasios, I think, still has a niche that he can carve out where, you know, he's very clearly an S-tier commander is obviously... You know, you you can still play him as a very powerful commander, um, albeit in my estimation not an S tier commander as uh, like an infinite mana outlet for like dockside type stuff. Um, but where his strength really lies, in my opinion, and what really pushes him into the S tier still, what keeps him there, is his ability to be played in sort of like the creature based like reanimator combo decks. Mm-hmm. Um, or even sort of like the mid rangey, um, um, like mid rangey Oracle decks that get to play, um, uh, that get to play like collector oof and null rod yeah. type effects. Um, I think that, you know, you have to build him to attack the metagame. Um, you have to take advantage of the fact now that, you know, you can play him, um, with those effects. And because you're playing Timna, you can still extract value out of like Collector Oof and, and that type of effect, um, which is like an am- amazing bonus for like when you get to play Hate Bears like Collector Oof and stuff like that um, to be able to use them as value pieces. Um, so so I do think that I have you know fallen out of love personally with like the PST style decks or you know CST style decks, you know Console Scepter Thrasios. Um, but I do think that like Razakat's still a very, very powerful deck. Um, and I think Rector fit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that, <laughs> okay. um, you know, some of the more like contemporary consult decks where you get to play, you know, some, some powerful hate bears and, you know, you get to dig into some of the powerful white cards and, you know, the consistency that green gives you is also very powerful. Um, you know, what Thrasios offers is, you know, he's not, in my estimation, the best, like, value engine um, in terms of, like, dumping, you know, the the dumping mana into him axis. Um, but he is a cheap body that, you know, you can play early and then you can play your Timna. Um, that classic curve is, you know, provides a lot of consistency into a lot of different type of, of games uh, and pod compositions. Gives you two cheap attackers. Um, that you can play off of basically just land drops and, and like one mana dork. Um, 
such that you can kind of start grinding out value. Um, and then also you have where you, you used to have very particular synergy with like Neoform into Hull Breacher. Um, now you can like Neoform Timna into Notion Thief if you want to. And I think that that's still pretty powerful. Um, or Academy Rector. <laughs> You, you I, I'm just ignoring you, Callahan. <laughs> you, you, you can also neoform, or you can like Eldritch Evolution Thrasios, I guess, into into, into like Notion Thief or whatever, um, or or turn him into an opposition agent or something like that um, with neoform, I should say. And then you know, in those decks, you, you can also play Seedborn Muse. I'm like not absurdly high on Seedborn Muse as a card these days, unless you're playing like like a deck that can really slow down the game. Um, you know, like there's too many instances where I, I've like legitimately just beaten two Thrasios players with each with Seedborn Muse, like grinding value each turn or like come obscenely close and like only lost because of a misplay where I'm just like, like just win the game. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, you're, people can play around your, your value engine to some extent if they know what they're doing. Um, and, and also I think that it's just kind of a little too slow these days. If you're only really relying on counter magic, uh, as your disruption. So what's your rating? I said, he's still an S tier. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Good, good deal. Um, yeah, I think it's S tier. Um, I, I have been a I've been a Thrasios homer for like, OK, so um, I hate to burst this bubble for everybody, um, but I love Lavinia. Lavinia is one of my favorite commanders. Thrasios is actually my favorite commander. Like if you were to actually like if we were to actually dig into it and like of the decks that I enjoy playing, I love playing Thrasios based decks like all the time. It is so much fun. Um, and you know, currently what I've been working on is a Thrasios Timna, uh, Rector style deck that is very reminiscent of, you know, the old Flash Hulk decks. And, uh, honestly, I love being able to, and I've said this before, I like being able to play decks where it's just, my whole deck is just good cards. Um, and you don't have to play a whole lot of bad cards. And uh, I feel like Thrasios and Timna really enables that. And I also feel like Thrasios enables that in other partner pairings as well. I like Thrasios and Bruce. I think uh, that is still a really, really, really good um, deck. I think Thrasios and Akiri is still fine. I think Thrasios and Tana is odd, but fine. Um, Thrasios Vile Smasher. Yeah, like, yep. uh, the list goes on. I I think Thrasios Jessica is very interesting. Thrasios Rogue, yeah. Um, uh, Divergent Transformations. Deck. Yeah, exactly. Like no. there's there's a lot of I I could keep going on that list, yeah. and it's all enabled by Thrasios. And like I don't think people really. This is the thing that I was trying to hammer home about earlier. Is I don't think people truly truly have. Appreci a true appreciation for how truly strong four generic scry one reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land card, put it on the top. Otherwise draw a card is that is bananas. Like it is, it is an outlet 
regardless of what Chrome does and the incremental value, blah, blah, blah. Yes, it's better in incremental value. I will I will give you that. Thrasios is an outlet. Automatically better, in my opinion. And Thrasios will it, it you're gonna be hard pressed to convince me one of the most like staunchly mid-range players out there that there will be ever a better partner uh for mid-range than Thrasios. Um but uh, I could probably talk about that all day. We did a whole mm-hmm. episode on if Thrasios is still good or not. Yeah. Um, you know, one one thing I would add, because I, I did mention um, like the CST style decks and Ryan did bring up File Smasher. Um, I think that if I was going to build like the Scepter style deck, the sort of like ad nauseum kind of like fast mid-range deck, it would be in those in that partner pairing. Yeah. Um, like as good as Timna is and as insane as, as insane as Timna is, um, you know, this is a point that I keep kind of hammering home, which is, you know, how much I value one card win conditions. And I think that that is the Thrasios deck that best utilize, utilizes ad nauseum as a one card win condition to either assemble like breach lines or just, you know, kind of being more explosively able to assemble um, Scepter uh, like post ad nauseum. Uh, so, so I don't think that, you know, you can't play that deck anymore. I just personally would be playing it in Sans White rather than Sans Well, and I days. think, I think they're two different decks personally. I think like Paradox Scepter, Timna Thrasios is a mid-range deck. Uh, Paradox, or I guess it's not Paradox Scepter, but P- CST, CST. Yeah. Yeah. CST is Timna uh, Thrasios is a mid-range deck and CST with Thrasios file is a turbo deck. And I think that's solely off the back of one has white, one has red. And I think that really is all that needs to be said as far as that goes personally. Yeah, right? but it's like, not like a turbo-y turbo deck. It's kind of in between. Like it plays enough value engines um, and like consistency enablers like in Mana Dorks and stuff like that where the Sans white Thrasios decks can still do like a relatively convincing mid-range game mm-hmm. compared to um I'd, you know I'd like agree with from Ikra like in certain situations I I think CST is considerably worse than Razakats though to be yeah. fair I, like I and I think that's to your point like I think CST and Thrasios Vile is way closer to being good than uh or way closer to Razakats is than CST is in um Thrasios Timna. But anyhow, yeah. I could prattle on about that all day. I love Thrasios. I think we talked, we had this exact conversation in, in the, the Thrasios. I, I think we did too. Yeah. <laughs> um so on to our last commander for the evening. This is the deck that won tier one con uh via our uh fellow sculpty boy and into the north member sick robot read. Um is Cody Vociferous Codex. So Ryan, this wasn't out this time last year. Um where what do you think about it it's looks pretty damn good (laughs) so i had a chance to speak with reed uh about this deck and what you know their thought processes were uh they uh they brought uh into the north went to tier one con and they there's three people from into the north that brought it so three separate people and they didn't like collude on this they didn't say Hey, what are we thinking? Should we all bring Cody? No, like each of them independently said, or at least this is what I was told, that they said, we think this is going to be the best for this tournament. 
So uh, we have a podcast episode out on this where we interviewed him. And as I was speaking to him and kind of unraveling um, what he really thought about the deck, let's let's establish a couple of things. First of all, this is a really good deck. Okay, so it's very, very good. It's good in the fact that it can offer up consistent turn two and turn three wins with protection. So it's not going 110% in to win. It's going enough in to also protect itself. It has got 41 drop, 41 drop demonic tutors in it. Because of the way that Cody works, you cast a simple one drop. After activating, you get profane tutor and go find your ad nauseum and win the game. That's 40 demonic tutors that are cost one. So that's really, really good. And as you see them play this game, if you catch out, catch any of the VODs or anything like that from Twitter, from Tier 1 Con, you can see just how good this deck can be. There's a couple of caveats that I want to put onto that. Number one, this deck is a glass yeah. cannon, 100%. <laughs> like, it's, it's like... It's up there with, as far as choreographed, like what you're going to do, it's up there with Godot. I'm not saying in power level it's the same. I'm saying when you sit down at the table and they flip over their commander and you see Godot, you know exactly what they're doing. It's the exact same thing with Cody. There's no weird thing that they're going to do with Cody. They're going to go hit Profane Tutor and win the game with Adnos. That's what they're doing. So you know and see it a mile away. So if they run in and they cast Cody, you can cast one of your 10 million removal spells that can stop Cody. It dies to artifact removal. It dies to creature removal. It dies to activated abilities like Curse Totem. It dies to uh, Stony Silence abilities. It dies to all of these things. And, and I'm not talking about the dies to removal argument being what shuts down the deck. I'm saying that it is in a unique position that a lot of hate stops it. A lot. Not just some hate, like, oh, I, you know, my, someone cast a null rod, and now all of a sudden my artifacts don't work. It's like, no, someone cast my any stacks piece almost, and, right. and it doesn't work anymore. So that's really tough with Cody. However, the resiliency, not, not the resiliency, that's the wrong word. The speed with protection backup that it has makes it really, really good. So there's all of this stuff that I spoke about Cody. And I think this is a really, really good one to end on, in my opinion, because Cody is not fun to play. <laughs> it is not a fun I mean, deck. That's to play. subjective, right? It is. It absolutely is. Uh, Reed put it super well when he said, he said, Cody is the deck that you want to play if you want to play the least amount of CEDH in a night of CDH because you're either winning on turn two or turn three. So that means you're ending the game super early or you got stopped and you can't rebuild. And it takes two really, really long time where you're just basically saying draw card pass because I can't do anything. And so he's the commander to play. If you don't want to play as much CDH as possible, you want to end as soon as possible. So he is like Cody is not super fun to play. And once again, that is that's subjective. You're absolutely right. If you're big on winning really early, then Cody's Cody's your book. He's, he's, he's your book to book to read. Um, but 
There's a reason that Adnaz is such a prolific and and a big part of our meta is because you feel like you're doing a lot of stuff. Like you said, it makes you feel like you're a real smart magic player. And all this thing does is just turn sideways, find the tutor, get the Adnaz, and then try and win as fast as possible. Whereas things like with Tim Nakrom or uh, Tevish Krom, you're grinding, you're in there, you're doing stuff, you're trying to win, you're fighting through things. You feel there, there's a lot going on. And Cody isn't really conducive to that. Cody is super powerful. But the reason that I said this was a good to end on is that that is not the only thing that we use to rank commanders in commander. You know, CEDH is EDH at the end of the day. You know, there's a reason that there are what we are ranking as D, E, and F tier commanders that are making it onto the database and play, people are playing them and brewing with them, even though they know going in that it is not the quote unquote best strategy that you can play or the top strategy or the best commander. Um, they play it because they like it. They play it because they want to have fun. That's why we're playing this, you know, and Cody doesn't lend itself to that too much. So with all of that in mind and considering all that in there, Cody is good. But the fact that you're just trying to close out the game as fast as possible will actually lead people to artificially build the deck because they think it's super powerful, play it a few times, realize they're not having fun, and then take it apart. So I'm going to actually be a little bit weird here and i'm going to give it a b okay because of that it's it's i mean i'm sure there you know you guys i don't i don't know what you guys are thinking but my instinct is telling me things like a and s because of how fast it is but i'm gonna give it a b because fun is very important in this format and i think people overlook it sometimes so that's what that's where i sit pongo you think it's uh better than b or worse than b well i'll certainly say that um i'm not going to consider um like anything beyond its effectiveness at winning the game within my rating uh i don't think it's unfair to do so um to ryan's point i think you know as long as you're clear about what your methodology is while you're you know doing a tier list like this you know it's all in good fun you can rate things in different tiers for a wide variety of reasons and and you know come to different conclusions based on personal feelings um you know, we don't have the objective truth of, you know, what commanders are, you know, definitively in what tiers. And the very idea is in some sense nonsensical. Um, but, you know, what is this video about? It's, you know, we're here to have fun. We're here to talk about a wide variety of commanders, uh, you know, give our honest opinions about, you know, what makes them good, uh, what makes, you know, decks consistently able to win, what do we like in deck building, Um and, you know, I think we've succeeded in what we set out to do in that respect. And, uh, you know, I hope everyone, all of you will agree with that. Um, but you can feel free to disagree and let us know in the comments below, by all means. Um, just make mm -hmm. sure you give the video a thumbs up when you do. Uh, <laughs> uh, all that being said, I think if we're returning to sort of my criteria, as I have been want to do over the entire process of this, uh, you know, this two video series. Um, let's look at the colors Cody offers five colors. You can't get any better than that. Um, we're not playing Gigantha in the command zone. So we're, we're, we have access to everything. Mm. Um, 
Cody is 100% a combo enabler. There's no doubt about that. That is what he does. No doubt. Um, so we can certainly say he's a combo enabler. He is, and he's enabling a great consistency um, in accessing your ad nauseum. Uh, like I said before, tutoring can represent uh, enabling a combo, um, but it can also, in certain cases, be value depending on sort of the axis upon which you're tutoring. Um, you know, I think Goto is a good example of that, where the tutoring is a means to an end as opposed to kind of like, you know, a, an, an, an end that eventually gets you or, or a means that cer- eventually gets you to a certain end, I should say. Um, and then if we talk about value, well, I mean, like Cody is not offering you like cards, obviously. And, and that's kind of uh, where, you know, as Ryan rightfully said, he struggles a lot, um, but he's not without value. And and this might sound weird if you hadn't thought about it, but, you know, he is a mana dork at the end of the day. Um, you're paying three mana to put him out. Then you're going to pay four mana to activate his ability and you're getting five mana back. So that is a small amount of value, but it is not nothing. So we do have to give that to Cody. Um, and even though it's a small, a relatively small amount of value, um, it's in some ways kind of precisely what you would want out of Cody or like in an ad nauseum deck, right? Like what is Rograx strength? Rograx strength is that he gives you extra mana. Cody also gives you one extra mana towards your ad nauseum lines. Um, so I think that the comparison with Rograk is very apropos in a lot of ways. I think what you're getting over Rograk is two extra colors, um, which is great. What you're losing is that turn one, that kind of, um, those, those, that percentage of turn one wins that you get out of Rograk, which admittedly are a minority, um, but it is something. Um, you're also, by my estimation, losing, and, and in, in my goldfishing, you're losing some amount of turn two potential, but certainly the deck has a, a good amount of turn two potential. Um, and what are you gaining? You're gaining a lot. Um, I think that in some respects, the advantage, you're, you are gaining considerable card advantage, like Ryan said by virtue of the fact that um, compared to other ad nauseum decks, you know, Cody only really needs to mulligan for mana and protection where other ad nauseum decks need to mulligan for mana action and ideally also protection. But in a lot of cases they're, they're not going to have protection. They're kind of just going to go for it naked. And that's kind of when they start to have a bad time um, as, as many of us have, probably witnessed in games um cody by comparison has the option of you know often going forward on turn two without protection in my experience occasionally with protection pretty much always on turn three with protection um and sometimes multiple pieces of protection and that's something that not a lot of decks can do as consistently in this format you know i think cody is possibly you know the the most consistent deck in the format um especially on an early time frame um and in addition you know cody can play all the efficient interaction does play all the efficient interaction 
um, and kind of just does that every time. Whereas like a lot of the other, you know, we say consistent turn three commanders, you know, a lot of them are more like turn 3.5 commanders. If we're looking at things like Gitrog, um, they do win on turn three, you know, a good amount of the time, but like Cody is like 2.5, like seriously 2.5. So like a turn faster and always doing that. (laughs) And I think that's, you know, to your point, Ryan, that it's not necessarily always fun because there is that certain degree of linearity to it. But as I've talked about, I think multiple times uh, over the series, you know, with that linearity comes a great deal of power uh, in any CDH deck. Um, consistency is king. Um, and ultimately, you know, if you're playing a deck that is both fast and consistent and able to protect itself, you've got all the all the elements required to be an S tier deck. And Cody certainly is an S tier deck. Interesting. 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 I'll tell you what, I'll split the difference. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 I think I tend to agree with Ryan a little bit more on this. Um, In regards to the fact that it just gets shut down by a lot of hate and I, I, I kind of use this metric. We've all kind of accepted that, you know, Lavinia is, you know, an average to below average deck, right? Um, this is a, Cody is a deck that if Lavinia comes out before or after it, it doesn't really matter. It just goes, huh. Well, I guess I can't beat that. Um, and that to me is a problem. And I can't very well in good faith put that into s tier personally and i get all the things you're saying um but it just to me if i play one card and that like specifically that in a deck that you know is weak around it and is pretty good at protecting it um and you can't manage to get around that very well um i've i've just never played against cody and it beat lavinia um ever uh, and then like in my local meta, I've played against it multiple times and it just goes, oh, well, OK, I guess I can't play the game. And so one time. I that was my fault because I just played really smart. Um, I I was going third and there was Cody deck going first. Second, there was was Phoenix on the Gila and third was me on Lavinia. And fourth was, I believe, either like a Golos Nasdaq or a Cody deck. I can't remember. But on my, I had a, uh, what is it? A gemstone cavern. And on the Cody player's upkeep, I go, hold, you know, stop on your upkeep. I'm going to silence on your upkeep. And I shift the turn order. And that's something that Cody can't deal with. And I just, I, I can't give it an S. I can give it an A because it's explosive as hell and it's really fast and it's won some tournaments. But, I think that it's a deck that does specifically well into these uninteractive uh, ad nauseum metas. Um, And I think when it gets into more interactive metas, the deck starts to, you see the cracks in the deck and you see where its weaknesses are. And I think that's a little bit too much to overcome. Like you're in your example, 
I think like there's it has a very clear answer to silence where it can just counter silence, right? And the deck probably plays more efficient interaction, especially than Lavinia does. Not only that, Gosh. but like all of the cards that you're playing to kind of remove your Cody eventually when you're going off with ad nauseum can double as removal for hate pieces that you would play. So it's not dead in the water to any of those, right? Like the deck is literally just mana and interaction because it doesn't need to play all of the wheels, like all of the payoffs, like the whole thing is just in the command zone. And you can, you, you know, you, you can have the hate for it, right? Like that's certainly possible. Like, and sometimes the deck will lose to that. And that that's true for every deck, right? Well, and that's true and- for every not ad nauseum deck. But like, I don't know that that is My, like a, a good an objective metric to to put it in a tier on. Well, my point my point is that um, it's kind of like stack stacks, right? Like where stack stacks are better in pairs, and I feel like Cody is better when there's more than one Nasdaq at the table, um, and it just. It, I, I just can't I, I've never seen it be good against a table that was more diverse than just Adnaz and not played by like specifically Reed. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm trying not to judge it based on my experience with playing against it on team turn three. I'm judging it on my experience outside of that. I mean, more and outside of that, I've seen it get shut down so easy. Finals with that deck, right? Um. Yeah, but again, we're talking about two of the best players I know, right? Like, yeah, I, I'm trying like, to judge it based off of the average player. And I would say, in my experience, the average player, I've seen it just get hosed more than I've seen it do well. Sure, but I would think that, you know, if we're trying to rate these decks sort of like based on their own merits, you know, we shouldn't necessarily consider the pilot of, of that deck so much. Which is kind of the same thing that we did with like Heliod, right? But sort of in, I mean, in reverse. But that's what I'm doing, right? Like, because what I'm saying Yeah, I think I think that's what I think that's what Callahan is doing. He's saying with Reed and Morgan playing these, it actually bumps it up, yeah, not down. You know, so, when they're so playing you think it, that I think Heliod would be higher than your E rating, like otherwise. When Charles and yeah. uh absolutely in their hands yep. it can hold its own. But yes. Well, hold its own is strong. But, well but we're not talking about yeah, Heliod yeah. right now. We're talking about Cody. I, I, I yeah. don't know. I, I just think that you know I, I, mean, I don't I'm know. giving it an A. Like <laughs> I, I but but yeah, you know, I, I, I'm mean, not sure that I agree yeah. with the notion that like you should evaluate it in the hands of like a particular player. Like any particular, no, but we talked. Because- we established this in the last episode, though, where I was talking that I don't want to evaluate things based on how the best players play these things. And my point is, is that outside of the hands of the best players, I have not seen it be better or or good or better than any other Adnost. Well, I mean, because with all respect to the person you you played against, they might not even be an average player for all I know, right? <laughs> so, like. Why? I mean, are I'm we not, I, arbitrarily? This isn't the only them, example. Right? This is this is this is one example of many. Like I've played against plenty of it, whether it's on Founders, whether it's you know wherever. The, I'm not using this one example for my whole basis. Mm-hmm. 
this is just an example to like that. I'm not using like purely uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like uh, circumstantial. That's not the right word, but I think you know what I'm going for. Anecdotal. Uh, anecdotal. I mean, yeah, I'm not using totally anecdotal ad- evidence. Ultimately, here. it is totally anecdotal evidence, right? Because the plural of anecdote is not data. And, and it's not an objective criteria. I mean, I guess I just when you pair this thing up with more than one anti or deck that is not a NAS deck, I don't believe that it is well positioned to succeed in that in that pod. Now, and I, I and I stand by this. I think that it is a meta dependent deck that excels in heavy ad nauseum formats because of the fact that it is able to uh, capitalize on the fact that everybody's kind of playing greedy in those in those types of environments. And I'm not saying it's not great, right? Yeah, A is still a really good. Yeah, rating. like it's. <laughs> Like it's, it's super absolutely good. great, but I don't know that it's S tier great. I think that its weaknesses make it very, very much a, a, an A. Like I, I, I don't well, know do you, that I do can you think s- it's better than Rogue Rack. I would say it's better than Rogue Rack. Wait, you gave Rogue Rack an A, for example. Yeah. And so. You don't think it's a whole tier better. So you would say that it's I don't like think it's a, a whole tier better. You think no. it's like an A plus. Yeah, like it so how I would rank it is if I were to choose which Turbo Nas deck I was asked to play, if I had to decide between Rograk or Cody, I would pick Cody because I think Cody's a bit more able to recover than Rograk Silas is. Because we established this earlier, right? Like Rog Silas just can't recover. It takes him forever. Where like Cody plays enough interaction in it that it can at least try if that makes sense like i don't know i it still struggles to recover but i get right. what you're saying it, like it can at least <laughs> attempt to stop other win attempts where rograx silas is so greedy that it, there's like i said it, it's kidding itself by playing blue saying well we play blue for interaction it doesn't play hardly any interaction Right. Um, yeah. It plays things like three spells to interact on the stack, basically. Right. Well, I think you Cody know. is just much stronger at fighting the disruption people would play to stop it, and also much stronger at fighting against counter magic. Um, and you know, by saying much in both of those categories, in addition to having access to two more colors, you know, I I don't know. I just don't know what else it would take for it to be an S tier. But in any case. Um, I don't know that uh, that it, it there's much value in continuing to talk about it. I don't know. I I'm not saying it's not bad. Uh, it, I'm not saying it's bad. It didn't. It didn't even make it into A. For yeah. Me. <laughs> That's, yeah. Why am I the yeah, one like? Even, def- it didn't even make it into A. Well, I mean, I assume I no. didn't talk you into an A. So yeah. No, no, no. But I mean, also, and it and it's like you said, it's perfectly okay to right. judge based upon the criteria that we deem to be important right. criteria. Yeah. Like, like I like your criteria, Pongo, because you are looking at it from a very analytical and objective standpoint. I think it's good to have that in there. And I'm taking it a little bit more from the boots on the ground. Sometimes, you know, like 
you know, I, I, I can't think of a good analogy. Cause yeah, it's but, late, I, but no, I, I get where you're coming <laughs> like, from. And, and you, I you, think that's, you know, fine. like it, you're in the trenches. Sometimes it doesn't always work out, you know, even though like right. all the objective stuff is there. And I think it's good to have these different opinions because we have so many right. different right. CDH players. My, my out point there. is we have the ones that subscribe to me. We have the ones that subscribe to you. We have the ones that subscribe right. to Cal. And I think that that's really cool that we have this across. The yeah. Spectrum. My, my point is I understand your criteria. And so, uh, but I don't, you I just don't think I'm wrong. I don't fully I said, understand. I already Cal know the completion of right? the sentence. He's like, I don't understand. But no, I mean, I was finishing this sentence. Like it's true. Like, um, yeah. cause I'm not sure that I see how Callahan can give certain other decks an A while, and, and then while acknowledging all the things that Cody has over those decks still only gives it an A. But it, but if it's like a higher A than than those decks, that's I think that's acceptable. I, yeah, I mean it's very close to S for me. I just I just it's just so glass any glass cannon deck. It makes me really uncomfortable giving it an S. That's and it fair. just it, it makes it like to me because it, for an S deck, man, that deck can win through everything. And I feel like most yep. of the S decks that I put on here, I feel like can win through pretty much everything, and. Like, like ranking it next to Najila, for example, if I remove your Najila, you're like, whoopity do. I'll just recast right. Najila or just go on my plan B or whatever. Cody doesn't have I mean, you that. could recast Cody. Cody's like, oh, you <laughs> removed my commander. Well, great. You just recast you know? Cody. The same yeah. thing, right? Like, uh, not quite, depending on what you did and when they interacted with you. But like, it, it, what I'm trying to say is that they're... Uh, we're we're there's only so many rankings that we could give that's why we keep you know throughout all this we keep saying well it's a high right. s or it's a low b or whatever it's because it's we know that it's not just these light switches that we're just flipping we know that there's some grays in between them and that's why it can be hard because i look at Clark from last week and i'm like what was i thinking giving it a b because i'm looking at some of the other b level commanders i'm like i don't know if kirk is as good as urza but you know here we are and that's because maybe i would give kirk a really really low b whereas i give urza a really really high b so anyway yeah sure. and i and i acknowledge that do you, do you hate me pongo I can never hate you. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can hate some of the sports teams you like, but like, that's a totally different. Oh, <laughs> shut up. Ohio state's up 31 to 21. Let me enjoy my it's diet. Okay, I, don't, I don't actually hate those sports teams you like either. Um, I was going to say like, you don't even give a shit about like football. Don't you? Um, yeah, certainly not American football. Yeah. yeah, American football. Um, well, that about wraps things up for us here today. Um, Ryan is joining us over from Playing With Power. And uh, Ryan, for those at home who are unaware of who you are and your channel, where can they find you at? Sure. So you can find Playing With Power on YouTube primarily. That is our main platform where we post all of our content. We are also hosting a podcast. You can find those on most of your podcast aggregators as well. So check us out there. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, for us here, you can find us over on Twitter at Sculpty Boys, B-O-I-S on Twitter, or you can find a direct link in our link tree in the description below. 
Uh, also want to give an extra shout out and extra thanks to all of our patrons who help keep the lights on. If you too would like to become a patron, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the mind sculptors or check out the link in the description. Thanks again for joining us, uh, Ryan. And thanks to all of you for tuning in for this. Uh, looks like it's going to be a four hour one. Yippee. Um, <laughs> and, and we'll and let us know in the comments what you think of Cody. <laughs> do you agree with me or do you agree with Callahan? Or do you agree with or Ryan? Agree with Ryan. Um, yeah. Yeah, agree with Ryan. Yeah. Who do you agree with there? So, uh, but with that being said, from all of us here at the Mind Sculptors, I'm Callahan, and we'll see you next time. I'm in line with the stars. I'm in sync with the earth. Ten toes deep, flower child from the turf. I never switch sides. Like, even when I die, I'm a ride for the squad. Let our ties in the hearse. I've been on a vibe kind of hard to describe. I'm in between I'm good and it's fine, but I'm tired of the grind. Then I come alive in the night to realize I'm in the middle of the time of my life. I'm never so packed for the stack. Never lied on the back. Got a bag from the way that I write it. Queen looking Tyson. Do that I survived doing 80 to the house. Then I hit it to the sky. Change haters on a tirade. Talking to the grip and the face. Be still like that. From my lips feel big from the bit, take a sip till I pass out. Try and get grip, but it don't make sense. Cause you can lose life on this fast route. Yeah, turn thoughts to a cash cow. I might flip that to the glass house. I don't need the accolades, I'm in love with the chase. I just wanna eat, save a spot at the table. Beast with the slap, hit myself on the map. You long with the wind, but we knowing that it's cap. Five hour flights, couple nights at the flat. To be real, could you see me making moves while I'm at? Myself to the page, I don't do it for the praise, love. That's just how I'm made. From the glass in the mirror, <laughs> yeah. Do it at me, old man, trying to pass in the fear. You're the first one to talk, but the last one to hear. Eyes blurry, but I couldn't see the ass.